It's been a long time. I shouldn't have left you without a new podcast to gag to. Hi, and welcome to the Coffee Rhetoric Podcast. I'm Tiffany, creator and writer of the blog Coffee Rhetoric, and it's finally September. Actually, September is almost over, but it's finally September. The official um, day of fall is merely just like days away, even though it's still been annoyingly hot, but still it's right around the corner. Um, you know, uh, places have already started hawking the pumpkin spice stuff, gag, yuck, and Dollar Tree has all of their Halloween decor out. Um, so I'm ready. I'm so ready. I want to, I'm just done with hot weather. Um, this weather, the changing weather, it's been wet, it's been humid. Um, it doesn't know if it wants to, summer doesn't know if it wants to leave. So it's been doing a number on my upper respiratory situation. And, you know, I've been in no condition to really be talking on a podcast. And plus, I've just been busy, but I'm so glad to be back. I'm glad that autumn, the uh, official day of autumn is just a couple days away. And I think I'm a going Go ahead. Actually, I've already gone ahead and and broken out my Halloween wine glasses. I don't care if it's not officially October yet. I broke those Johns out. I've been using my Halloween glasses. Anyway, <laughs> let's get it in because there's been quite a bit of fuckery afoot in the news for the past couple weeks or so. And um, one thing people have been and are still talking about is this whole stuff um, that popped off between Cardi B and Nicki Minaj at um, New York Fashion Week. Um, man, what a mess. And you know, there's still um, stuff spilling over um, about this situation. Well, not about this situation per se, but the situation has definitely uh, prompted a lot of other things to kind of spill over and pop off. People are coming out of the woodworks with Cardi B T. You know what? Let me just get on with my thoughts. <laughs> so um, for those of you who don't know and who probably have um, more exciting things to do than follow pop culture, but do you really? What can be more exciting than gagging and gossiping over uh, celebrity news and whatnot. But in any event, um, so Cardi B, for those of you who don't know or just don't follow celebrity news, um, Cardi B and Nicki Minaj, like I said, reportedly, more or less, they brought some hateration and holleration to Harper Bazaar's icon party during um, <laughs> New York Fashion Week after tensions of their purported I say purported because you know they both say that um you know they don't have any issues with each other but clearly um there's been some tension between the two and it boiled over at Harper Bazaar's icon party at New York Fashion Week um to the point of an altercation um and I'm gonna keep it real um I'm gonna say it was a one-sided altercation um the video surfaced showing Cardi B lunging at Nicki Minaj and throwing one of her pricey Ely Saab heels at Nicki or in Nicki's direction. And she ripped her even pricier Dolce & Gabbana gown, which was undoubtedly a loner, just like the shoes were probably loners. Um before uh, Cardi B was detained and escorted from the party with a <laughs> visibly huge knot on her forehead. <laughs> oh my word. Um, and you know, video also surfaced of Nicki Minaj leaving the party, hamming it up for the camera, seemingly unbothered. Um, and so then Cardi after the incident popped off and she was escorted from the party, um, ripping them folks gowns and, and with a giant knot on her head. Um, Cardi B very promptly got on her Instagram page and posted a lengthy note, which was probably written by her inadequate publicist, um, trying to rationalize basically why she acted out at a hoity-toity party. Um, she was rambling about Nikki trying to quote-unquote mess up her bag. Really, like, how old are we? But in any event, um, she claims Mickey was trying to stop her bag and, um, 
that she allegedly either said or liked something about Cardi B's parenting skills. And we've yet to see proof of that claim and um, so forth and so on. Lord, but in any event, you know, people have chosen their sides and they've picked their teams. Me personally, I don't have a dog in this fight. Rat beefs are nothing new. Um, and this shit is not nearly as compelling as the Roxanne Wars of the 1980s, okay? <laughs> and I just think this situation extends well beyond a rat beef. Um, I wouldn't even call it a rat beef. Um, rat beefs usually play out on wax. Um, people cut lyrics over a dope beat, um, and just go in and let half at each other, um, via their music. Um... Firstly, you know, and, and and also we all know whether you're a male rapper or you're a female rapper, this isn't even about that. This is not about um, black people acting out of the white. It's not about any of that stuff. You know, um, we know that when um, rap beat, when uh, situations in the hip hop community, in rap community spill over beyond just mere rap beefs. We all know what can happen. Look at what happened. Rap beefs, um, has taken some of our greatest rappers. You see what happened with Tupac and Biggie and, you know, we, we know what can happen. These things can go way left and people can just kind of, uh, lose their lives. So, I don't really have a dog in this particular fight. Um, I just think it's gotten beyond the point of just a simple beef. I just think it's ridiculous. I still don't know why C Cardi B threw her shoe or what they're supposedly angry with each other about. Um, and firstly, let me just say, I don't, I personally do not adhere to respectability politics. I don't perform for the white gaze, so my opinion about Cardi B's display, it isn't rooted in this idea that Cardi B, quote unquote, made black people look bad in front of white people. My opinion is not even about, rooted in that BS, um, but it comes from, it's coming, from, it's going to come from the place of a woman that's a certain age and that has the foresight to look at this situation objectively I think and and just kind of surmise that it was ridiculous that like I said before that it can get really dangerous really fast um and look again I'm not about to go on some rant about respectability and the optics of the situation and about black women cutting up in front of white people because let's not act like um, during their heyday, Paris Hilton and Lindsay Lohan didn't cut up, didn't cut the food and fool in public places during the height of their feud in the early aughts. Okay, um, or that Shannon Doherty wasn't constantly trying to fight folks at events in the '90s and just recently didn't uh, Tom Arm uh, Tom Arnold and Mark Burnett um, get into a scuffle at some kind of Emmy gathering or party they fought at some <laughs> Emmy party and uh it resulted in the police being called and Tom Arnold said Mark Burnett choked him or something so no this is my opinion has nothing to do um about how this looked in front of um a bunch of rich white people because rich white people can get crunk in public places too I've seen it with my own eyes. So um, it's not rooted in any of that. So let me just get that disclaimer right on out the way. Um, I just, I really don't live under the restrictions of or believe in black people performing for the white gays, nor am I someone who cares what any of them think. Because let's be real, um, the white folks at that Harper's Bazaar party were probably eating this shit up. And because in the video I saw a lot of people had their little cell phones at the ready recording, tweeting, and Instagramming the bullshit. So that out of the way. Now, one thing I can't get behind. Now, I've seen a lot of grown people co-signing Cardi B's behavior and ascribing to what she did to being a quote-unquote hood thing and and these are people 
that would not risk losing their jobs, their day jobs, or whether they have a job in the industry. These are people who probably feel this way because they want to live vicariously through the situation. But people who are co-signing Cardi B's behavior at that party wouldn't even um, dare fight on site at their jobs. And let's keep it real. These little industry parties, um, it's part of their job. That is their job. They show up in their fancy gowns that designer, the designers loan to them and that um, luxury shoe brands loan to them. They show up in their clothes to be seen in these people's clothes um, so that those people can get free promo. Um, this is their job. Showing up at events like that, this this is part of celebrities and entertainers' jobs, okay? And people co-signing Cardi B's behavior wouldn't dream of um, fighting and throwing shoes at their jobs or at um, if their job were having some event, wouldn't act out. Like, like people, you have people who barely want to freaking go to human resources about a situation because they don't want to rock the boats. But these are some of the same people co-signing Cardi B's behavior talking about, oh, well, she keeping it real and it's a hood thing. Didn't you watch the... Dave Chappelle skits on his show about when keeping it real goes wrong. Give me a break. So, um, I just think to co-sign her behavior, it's short-sighted and it's stupid because if it were truly about hood things, then Cardi would still be there in the hood instead of living her best life in a big house somewhere in Atlanta. So let's keep it real. It's not a hood thing because she's not even in the hood anymore. Um, and no one was sent works to overcome adversity and poverty and courts the level of fame and fortune Cardi B has done only to stay mired in hood shit. Let's be real. Cardi B being young is also an excuse that I've seen and that doesn't really fly because she's still a grown adult who is in her mid-20s. She's got a husband. She's got an infant child. 25 to 26 sounds like a great age to finally get your well-being in order and your shit together. Give me a break. At some point, you got to take accountability for your grown adult behavior when you start acting foolish. Okay, I mean, her being 25, 26 is no excuse. Um, you know, and I, I'm going to need people to also stop trying to conflate this with Serena Williams' situation at the U.S. Open Open with the umpire. Yes, I've seen pe people trying to conflate the two situations. Apples and oranges, not the same. Um, I just really feel like there are ways to advocate and stand up for yourself without wallowing in the muck and mire and making yourself look foolish. There are ways... To express anger and frustration and black women more than anybody are entitled to express anger and frustration. But why do it in a way that puts your life and your livelihood in harm's way? I think black women, ha I, I don't even know if Cardi B identifies as black. I don't care. I'm not getting into that argument. But let me just say there are ways for black women or women who are black adjacent, I'll say, um, to advocate for yourself without putting your life at risk or putting yourself in harm's way, you know? And I just really feel like when you've acquired the type of fame and fortune Cardi B has managed to gain, you move differently. You know, you see what I'm saying? You should aspire. And if you don't, you should aspire to move differently because you don't need to literally fight to survive because there's no need to get into physical altercations anymore. You're not in the streets. You're not trying to, uh, uh, you've overcome your adversity. You don't need to be fighting like a, a wild alley cat anymore to survive. You can afford to employ different tools. So why not use, so why not choose differently? Now, when you can afford to, when you've learned better and you've been paid better, why not choose differently and do better? Um, you know, when you get the kind of money and fame Cardi B has gotten, particularly when you've grown up like she has, 
you have to learn how to be more tactical in how you deal with conflict, especially in that in, in the entertainment industry. You got to be more tactical. And let's not let's keep it real. Nicki Minaj, who's also problematic as hell, is a veteran. She's the veteran of the two. She's in her mid thirties. Um, yes, she may be doing underhanded behind the scenes foolishness to sabotage her peers and others' livelihoods. But the big picture, she's not the one caught on video throwing shoes trying to fight and being kicked out of an A-list industry party with a large knot on her forehead. And yes, Nikki has done some foolish things on social media. You know, I'm still shaking my head at the fact that she went in this young woman writer's uh, uh, Twitter DMs uh, trying to curse her out over some BS. And um, when she was put on blast, um, she very quickly... uh, didn't want to talk about the situation anymore. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about this New York Fashion Week Harper's Bazaar party. You know, Nikki is definitely not an innocent victim. She's very problematic. Um, But again, in this particular situation that I'm discussing, she's not the one um, on film being escorted out of the party with the knot. She's not the one with a ripped dress with her ass hanging out. Um, and that is what it is. Um, Cardi B is the one shown, uh, doing that. Um, and since I'm on the topic, she, Nicki Minaj is not the one that's been witnessed throwing drinks at women bartenders at strip clubs. Nick, and, and now Nicki Minaj, you know, she got what she wanted. Um, so now Nicki Minaj has already hopped on her radio show and she, this time she took flagrant shots at Cardi B and she used the situation to redirect the narrative. And she said a lot, <laughs> listen to this snippet. The other night I was a part of like the something so mortifying and so humiliating to go through in front of a bunch of upper echelon, and it's not about white or black. It's about upper echelon people who are, you know, people who have their lives together. The way they pass by looking at this disgusting commotion, I will never forget. I was mortified. I was in Alexander Voltaire gown, okay? Mm -hmm. Off the motherfucking runway. Okay, and I could not believe how humiliated it all felt because we, and I use we loosely, and I'm going to clarify we, how we made ourselves look. And I'm going to get back, but before I go, I want to say that I would never discuss anyone's child. And it's so sad that for someone to pin that on me because I'm the bad guy and they know people would believe them. So let me just go on record having said, I would never talk about anyone's child or parenting. I don't care about anyone's parenting. I don't give a shit. And it's so crazy to me that people always need to make Onika the bad guy. If you're right in whatever you're doing, you don't ever have to make someone into the bad guy. Just speak your truth. When you have to say that I said or did something that you know I've never said or did. I didn't see it. Where did, where, where was that? No clue. No clue. I flex. I I have no clue. I just want to let the world know that Onika Tanya Mirage would never, has never, and will never speak ill of anyone's child. I am not a clown. That's clown shit. And what is the other thing that's clown shit is telling or is telling the world that someone said something just so that you don't feel fucking dumb for looking dumb, for doing dumb shit. You knew that when that footage came out, you was about to look fucking dumb. So your publicist, who also looked dumb, standing there about to tape, thinking somebody's about to get snuffed or something with the phone camera out. <laughs> that's not, what, that's 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 not what you be doing. <laughs> okay, so they hurried up and put out a statement. And you know what? I'm such, I'm such an ill-ass bitch. I didn't even feel the need to 
defend myself that night and say, I didn't say this, I didn't do this, I didn't stop no bags. Give me a break. But I'm going to get it. I don't understand how did bags stop. I'm going to get in. It's a bunch of lies, but I'm going to get into it. I just want everybody to marinate for two minutes. I'm finna come. But we did hear this woman who accused me of saying something about her child just say that nothing's off limits, even talking about people's kids. Because she has built her career off of sympathy and payola. Play Barbie dreams. Let's go. Let's go. (laughs) Wow. So you see, um, Cardi B essentially played herself and she played right into Nikki's hand. And I mean, Cardi B couldn't go on tour with Bruno Mars because she, didn't she say she wanted to take time to acclimate herself to motherhood? So how is any of this behavior she's been displaying productive? It's toxic. It's gross. She and Nicki Minaj are to me, are six of one and half dozen of the other because they've both displayed toxic online behavior. Um, on and offline behavior, they've lashed, they've both lashed out us at people. And Cardi B has also spoken ill of other people's children. She's done so admittedly. She said, nobody's off limits, including children. So I don't understand what the issue is about her thinking someone allegedly liked a status about her parenting skills or said something about her child. You know, grow up and worry about yourselves. Now, (coughs) excuse me. Now, Nicki Minaj, she comes across as jaded and uninspired in her long career. And Cardi B comes across as not being able to deal with fame in a productive way that suits her and that benefits her and her brand, her growing brand. Because then she's still going at it. She's still online arguing in people's uh, Instagram comment sections. She's still arguing with people. She just got caught um, posting a transphobic uh, meme on her Facebook page. And then she went, oh, well, that's not me. Um, That's a former member of my team, this, that, and a third. It doesn't matter. It, you're, you're the face of the Facebook page. It's got a blue check. That is your official Facebook page. It doesn't matter if you haven't been on there in months and that it's a former uh, person. Like, who are your people who, who are supposed to stay on top of all this stuff? Like, to make sure your social media presence and whatnot is, uh, is up to par. It doesn't matter. It's still your Facebook account with your face with the official Cardi B Facebook page blue check. Let's get it together. Um, but she's still arguing in people's comments sections and about rumors and what have you. Um, you know, both women register as being insecure to me. Um, and I just really feel like they need to surround themselves with a better um, social circle um, and then and with more level-headed and rational people than the clout chasing enabling instigating parasites with nothing to lose or who may be trying to promote their own uh brand and businesses cardi b's publicist but in any event especially cardi b maybe get a new publicist who's more seasoned in the game um i just feel like the veneer on the quirky genuinely open and street tough young woman the world has come to know it's dulled it's gotten old and I just feel like, um, you know, and then all these people, um, all these friends Cardi B surrounds herself with who she encourages to fight her battles or, or who have no qualms about fighting people for her. You know, you got to ask yourself if I'm friends with someone who suddenly, um, acquired fame and got rich and got and acquired fortune, if a friend of mine um, made good, whether I don't care if they became fa- rich and famous, I don't care if they hit the lottery, whatever. If a friend of mine um, ha- from my old neighborhood overcame adversity and poverty, um, but they still want me to be fighting and risking going to jail for them, you got to question whether that's really your friend. Because when your f- genuine friends do well, they're going to want you to do well too. They're not going to be encouraging you to fight bartenders at strip clubs and to throw drinks at people and to 
get online arguing back and forth with people. F that. No friend who really wants well for you, because especially when they've done well for themselves, wants you to continue being mired in that toxic behavior. That's not your friend. I don't care what none of these people who hang out with Cardi B trying to get spillover perks from their famous friend. That's not your friend. Your friend is not going to want you to risk your life for them while they get to go back to their mansion and whatnot. No, <laughs> that may that might not be your friend. And since we're on the topic in 2017, um, I remember Angie Martinez interviewed Cardi B and asked her why she can't learn how to, you know, resolve conflict in a more constructive way. And here is what she said at the time. I'm not you. And there's the thing. I'm not used to people coming for me and me not getting yeah. it popping. Like I'm not you. I'm not used to that. Like it's right. just like I'm not used to it. <laughs> That's not something that I'm used to. I understand. But I wouldn't even know what to do because it's like, right? I don't want to write. I want to fight. You can't fight, <laughs> Cardi. You can't do that. We've elevated now. You're in vogue for crying out Fine, loud. Fine, then. My friend will fight for me. <laughs> no, you can't do that. And you know what happens too, Cardi? What? When you, once you start getting bread. Like, but, but I'm not touching nobody. My friend is. I was going to say, because when you know when you start getting my real friend bread, is, people My friend want... got no money. <laughs> you, can't, you can't keep fighting. When does the fighting stop? The fighting got to stop. I've, I've, been, I've been putting my gloves up. I've been putting them up. I just saw the reunion. I put them up a month ago. <laughs> I just saw the reunion, Cardi. What happened there? That was a month ago, baby. A month ago. So since then. I'm a different woman, baby. Oh, since then, 30 days? What do you do? A detox? Like a fight detox? What did um, you do? I, I, I got an epiphany. What was that? It's like, um, you know, like everybody just keeps telling me, like, it's like, sometimes it's so hard to believe the level that I am sometimes mm. because you'll do the reg, not the regular things. I just feel like. A regular person. You don't but, feel changed. You still like the same person. Yeah, right? I still like the same person, but people just keep telling me, like, listen, you're not like you're, you're on TV. You're 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 more than that. Yeah, you're more than that. Okay, so you heard from her. She said she would get her friends to fight for her. I just feel like that is just terrible. It's like you've done well for yourself. Don't you want your friends to overcome their circumstances in the hood too? I don't get it. Are you really their friend, Cardi B? But in any event, I don't think Cardi B is finished. I don't think her career is finished. Not yet. Um, I feel like she can go as far as she wants to, but... You know, people don't want this kind of smoke at their gatherings. Designers don't want their expensive fabrics <laughs> destroyed over some dumb shit. Fighting, throwing shoes, and lunging at people ain't the wave. It's just not. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you grew up, whether you grew up in the gutter or whether you grew up with a silver spoon in your mouth. It just ain't the wave. It's toxic. Learn how to duke it out on a mixtape or song like other rappers at odds with each other and um, engage in some self-care. You've earned it. Self-care. And stop allowing yourself to be baited into stupid altercations with people, uh, particularly with someone who's been in the business longer so who and who's far more calculating and manipula manipulative than you've learned to be at this point in your career, Cardi. I mean, I just feel like it's one thing to be street smart, but this is not the Bronx anymore. Lead with this on-site mentality and you'll get chewed up. You'll get spit out in a completely different way because let me, the entertainment industry is full of vipers and cultures and, you know, they live to build up their own versions of Cinderella and to knock them down off the pedestal. So I just feel like she needs to grow a thicker skin, get better people and a better team around her and learn how to be shrewd about navigating the bullshit and just give us the music, please. Log off. Stop arguing with people on Instagram. It's just, if it's not beneath you, it should be. And I get it. We're all human. We all get angry. I know I do. But 
when you, again, when you come of age, when you learn better, when you learn how to move through the world more t- uh, tactically, more shrewdly, um, more deliberately, you learn how to be more deliberate in how you navigate through the world. You do better. That's just how I feel. It's, you know, why would you want to stay mired in toxic energy, especially when you ain't got to, especially when you got money now, you don't have to do that. And you don't have to encourage your friends to be to continue to be mired in toxicity either. So um, again, just give us the damn music, please. And just leave all the rest. (laughs) On that note, let's take a short little 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 break. And we'll be right back. The double agent for the patriarchy is basically just a woman who perhaps unknowingly is still putting the patriarchal narrative out into the world, is still benefiting off, profiting off and selling a patriarchal narrative to other women. But it's a wolf in sheep's clothing. You know, just because you look like a woman, we trust you and we think you're on our side. But you are selling us something that is that really doesn't make us feel good. You're selling us a, an ideal, a, a body shape, a, 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 you know, a, a problem with our wrinkles, a problem with aging, a problem with gravity, a problem with any kind of body fat. You're selling us self-consciousness. The, the same poison that made you clearly develop some sort of body dysmorphia or facial dysmorphia, you are now pouring back into the world. You're like recycling hatred. And I find that really dangerous and I think it's unacceptable and I don't care if you're a woman. I think constructive criticism is needed for us, for anyone to ever evolve. For our gender to evolve, we need some sort of constructive uh, criticism, as long as we do it in a somewhat careful way. Double Agents of the Patriarchy. That little clip was by, uh, that was an interview with actress uh, Jamila Jamil talking about women with internalized, women who've internalized a lot of uh, patriarchal claptrap hogwash um, and women who are nefarious agents of misogyny and other patriarchal bullshit. I really like that. Um, but now, um, let's talk about Aretha's funeral, shall we? You know, some weeks have passed, um, and the world saw Aretha Franklin get a homegoing fit for a queen. Um, it was an all-day affair that reportedly lasted for about eight hours. Um, I saw clips. I did not sit for eight hours to watch it, (laughs) but I saw, I checked in from time to time and I just saw clips here and there. But, um, Aretha Franklin's funeral was attended by a lot of political uh, dignitaries, by a lot of notable musicians and pop stars and other celebrities and by noted religious leaders. Um, there was a lot of reflection. There, there was music. There were fun anecdotes um, and laughter and just things to um, give people food for thought as they um, celebrated Aretha Franklin's life and impact. Um, but... A couple of things marred what was otherwise a memorable and celebratory remembrance of Aretha's life and work. And, of course, the damper came from two black pastors. (laughs) At this point, folks probably think I have some kind of vendetta against the black church or against black pastors. And I don't, but I do. 
Okay. I'm not even, not even just black churches and black pastors. Um, just the whole institution of Christianity and, and just organized religions in general, you know? Um, so yeah, I don't, but I do, I might. (laughs) So, but in any event, in my first episode, um, I spoke about some of these black pastors not standing for anything or anybody but themselves and how out of touch and self-aggrandizing and skeezy and just downright predatory a lot of them are Um, because they are. And, you know, don't come for me saying, oh, well, it's not just black churches. It's that and the third. I know that, um, but I'm a black person talking about a black ass situation um, that was perpetrated by two black pastors. So that's what I'm going to talk about. So I know it's not just black churches and black pastors. I know that. But um, believe me, I know that. (laughs) But um, and a lot of them are. So I just feel like a lot of them stay trying to preach their own agendas. Um, A lot of them are stuck in a time warp. And, and I, which is, it's indicative of how little some of them, especially these prosperity preachers actually interact with, or how little they respect the community or stay on the pulse of social issues and statistical information and facts, lest it debunks the false narratives. A lot of them like the pedal, you know, why keep abreast of any of that stuff? when you're trying to peddle something, uh, sell people some rotten meat, (laughs) you know? And, you know, a lot of them offer little to no value to their congregations. They don't. Or to intraracial, intra, intra, not inter, intra, (laughs) I-N-T-R-A, intraracial conversations about improving the quality of life for black people. All black people, not just black men, not just cis, hetero, sexual men and women, but all people, all black people, all of us, all of us. Um, and just that the entire, I just felt like, like the entire front row of her funeral, <laughs> it just looked like a reunion of aging, <laughs> problematic, middle-aged fuckboys it did, but I digress. Okay. Because you kind of had, you had like Bill Clinton and Jesse Jackson and Louis Farrakhan, but whatever. I digress. But first you had, um, Bishop Charles H. Ellis, the third inappropriately likened, uh, pop singer Ariana Grande's name. He likened her name to a Taco Bell menu (laughs) item. Um, to a Taco Bell menu item, and then to add insult to injury during his cringeworthy banter, um, I don't know, he kept an uncomfortable grip on her. It just looked so cringy. He was just like digging his fingers into the side of her breast, and she, she looked uncomfortable. It looked uncomfortable. Um, and the entire exchange was just ugh. It was uncomfortable. Um, now people spent a great deal of time uh, critiquing what Ariana was wearing, what she wore to Aretha's funeral saying that her um dress was too short and all look I'm not gonna waste time talking about what she should or should not have been wearing because for me for me it's irrelevant irrelevant particularly since Grand doesn't really strike me as a young woman familiar with <laughs> black church protocol or respect the respectability expected of women in that environment She just doesn't. Now, I don't know if she has any black or older people on her style team, but perhaps they could have briefed her on how to dress and proceed accordingly. I don't really know. Um, I just feel like critiquing, um, I just feel like if you must critique Ariana's funeral attire, Okay, that's your business. To me, it's irrelevant. It's inconsequential. But can you just please don't derail from the fact that a lot of these um, religious institutions are 
and sometimes aggressively sexist. And um, they do sexually harass women, the leaders in these churches. And please don't derail from the fact that Bishop Charles Ellis, Ellis is inappropriate and his behavior, um, or d please don't insinuate that Ariana deserved to be aggressively groped into a hug on a stage at a funeral because how she because of how she was dressed you know it just she didn't deserve to be put in that uncomfortable situation um at what point do we hold men especially men in positions of power and prestige accountable for their behavior or you know hold them accountable for picking up on women's social cues because I feel like you can literally be um, kind of, I forget the word for it, but just kind of shrinking away from a man and they still won't pick up on those cues. Um, women's levels of comfort while in their presence, levels of discomfort or comfort, um, because I truly believe a lot of men may notice, but they don't really give a shit about women's discomfort, no matter how glaring and tense our body language is. And I'm saying this from my own personal experiences too, that, um, it does like men, I, it, even if they do know, I don't think they care because all they care about is their own comfort um, and wants and desires. And, um, so I don't think they give a shit and no matter how glaring and tense our body languages, I feel like they care about their own gratification and comfort. And I feel like this is why young women, especially young black women raised and involved in the black church, um, don't come forward when they've been sexually assaulted, sexually harassed or abused or intimidated in some way, shape or form. Now you think Ariana was, um, put in an extremely awkward and discomforting situation try being a young black woman or just any kind of young oh, try being a black woman in that same kind of uncompromising situation then having the people who should support you and who should be your support system um castigate and blame you for it now um Ellis apologized for the Taco Bell comment and for aggressively um you know, um, taking Ariana Grande into a handsy hug. Um, and the last time I checked his Twitter account was locked, um, to ward off the heat he was getting for his behavior. Isn't that what they all do? Um, lock their behavior, lock their Twitter accounts. But men, men, you need to learn how to be more mindful of how a woman is responding to you being in her space. Stop forcing unwanted contact and hugs on women unless you've been invited to or encouraged to do so or unless a woman's body is receptive to receiving physical contact from you. Okay? It's that simple. I don't care what the F a woman is wearing. <sighs> God. Um, anyway, even more egregious and out of order at Aretha Franklin's funeral was Reverend Jasper Williams Jr. Now this dude, this man was supposed to be eulogizing the queen, but he decided to abuse the honor and stand his old out of touch ass up there <laughs> using as much, using much of his 40 minute sermon. Like he chose to uh, use, um, his 40 minute sermon to castigate and pathologize, pathologize other black people, um, using a bunch of Fox news talking points, excoriating single black mothers. Mind you, Aretha Franklin was a single mother herself. Okay. And, um, he, he criticized activists, um, who protest police brutality police brutality and state violence. Um, he was just spewing a bunch of toxic church rhetoric, Fox news talking points and spouting off a bunch of erroneous data. Listen to this clip. As your soul, black man, as I look in your house, there are no fathers in the home no more. 
70% of our households are led by our precious black women. But as proud, beautiful, and fine as our black women are, one thing a black woman cannot do, a black woman cannot raise a black boy to be a man. If you choose to ask me today, do black lives matter? Black lives do not matter. Black lives will not matter. Black lives should not matter. Black lives must not matter until black people start respecting black lives and stop killing ourselves. Black lives can never matter. <sighs> okay, so that was some of um what he said. Um you know what? It was just a bunch of self-loathing coon cricketry at its worst. And I just feel like it was presented at the most inopportune moment. Not that there's ever an opportune moment to indulge in anti-blackness on a public stage. But um, anyway, Aretha's family denounced Williams's eulogy saying that they found it offensive and distasteful and they felt like he used the platform to push a negative agenda. Who booked him though? The see who booked him? I don't know. But um of course um uh Jasper Williams doubled down claiming people simply didn't understand his garbage talking points because that's why homophobic, misogynist, self-loathing, that is what people of his ilk do. Um, homophobic, misogynist, self-loathing patriarchs. That is what they do. They, dub they double down. But um, it's clear to me that he's the one who doesn't quite understand how structural inequality and things like toxic masculinity and oppression work. Jasper Williams, you're the one that don't understand. And of course, as they are wont to do, numerous white people chimed in about how true Williams's garbage was. Because you know why? Because they love self-loathing black person. And they love to insert themselves in conversations that don't have shit to do with them. It kind of does, but it don't at the same time. And I just feel like a lot of them are intellectually dishonest whenever they chime in on shit like this. They'll be quick to say, oh, well, he's telling the truth and um, about black people and this, that, and a third. And you know how they do. They're their own worst enemies. Black on black crime. But let's keep it real. Uh, they'll be into, they love chiming in on that kind of stuff, but you won't ever hear them unpacking the insidiousness of institutional whiteness, structural inequality, things like resource hoarding, or hee hee, white sociopathy. Let's go. All tea, all shade. You won't ever hear none of them unpacking any of that shit. Ever. Ever, 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 ever. They, it's a jagged little pill. They won't look in the mirror and unpack white sociopathy and structural inequality and the insidiousness of whiteness ever. They love pathologizing other communities, but they won't look at the ways that racism and, um, systemic racism works. Um, and they just won't. Because then suddenly they start crying about, oh, well, you're being <laughs> divisive and talking about racism. Where not all white people. That's just one isolated incident. This, that, or third person was mentally ill when uh, he or she did that. But they'll they'll surely chime in on on bullshit like what um the pastor Williams said. Start. Um, crowing about black on black crime. Okay. But in any event, whatever. Um, so I just feel like Reverend Williams could have kept that recycle in classes, pound cake speech to himself. <laughs> Bill Cosby's hypocritical ass already tried it with that one. And he proved to be just another hypocrite and a horrible human being. And now his reputation is destroyed. Um, so we don't need another pound cake speech, Reverend 
Williams. Um, he also said that, uh, Reverend Williams said that black Americans have lost, black America has lost its soul, but he's a donkey and I feel like he's the one who seems to have lost his. And again, I see why more and more black folks are divesting from the institution of the black church and why um, millennials and women and, you know, just other young people just want no parts of it. Okay, so um, before I sign off, let me wrap quickly about um, this whole U.S. Open situation that transpired with Serena Williams and the uh, things that have ensued, unfolded after. I just really feel like um, Serena Williams, you know, she's an unambiguously black woman and she's one of the world's greatest athletes. And along with her sister, she and her sister Venus, they've redefined the sport of tennis. And um, I just think, most people still don't think she belongs tennis. And, and I just feel like that is why that's one of the primary reasons why she's been at the receiving end of just the misogynoir and the unfair treatment and the ridicule and the jokes and the gagging and, the um, just all the nasty disrespect she's been getting since 2002. Um, so a white male umpire who seems content with upholding the status quo accused her of cheating and getting coaching um, from her coach while she in the middle of the game. And, um, you know, I've been reading comments o around social media and, you know, people thinking she should have just accepted the orange court slight quietly and that she just should learn how to be, quote unquote, be a better role model. Because being accused of, you should take being, having your character assassinated and being accused of something you didn't do. You should just take it quietly and graciously with a smile, apparently. Um, the display, I just feel like it not only marred Serena's experience on the court, but it also marred Naomi Osaka, um, the young Blasian woman she was playing, uh, she's half Haitian and half Japanese. Um, it marred her experience in win too, but I don't think Serena was the one who did that. Um, ladies and gents, welcome to navigating this cruel dark world as a black woman, because, um, we're expected to accept misogynoir and racially motivated slights to our livelihoods and and we're ex we're expected to accept sabotage and um assassinations on our character with grace and with a smile and i also speak from personal experience that's what they expect you to do um because outward frustration and openly advocating for ourselves as black women as black women is a no-no for us. Otherwise, we're going to come off as angry and intimidating. Um, we show anger. We push back against sexism and misogynoir. And, you know, we have white women like Martina Navratilova writing these patronizing op-eds about how Serena should learn how to conduct herself on the court. But okay, where were all these think pieces and essays when John McEnroe and Andy Roddick and Andre Agassi were throwing tantrums and having meltdowns during matches? Should they have been better role models? Did they get fined thousands of dollars? Um, I just feel like white women love gaslighting black women who emote in any kind of way or who express anger, notwithstanding the fact that, <laughs> and I'm just going to say this, I don't care how it sounds, but a lot of white women love gaslighting black women and calling us angry, notwithstanding the fact <laughs> that a clear majority of them will have a whole entire meltdown in a temper tantrum in the line at your favorite retailer. And you know it's true. When they don't get the discount, 
they feel like they're entitled to or if their pumpkin spice latte isn't piping hot they will have a whole entire meltdown in the line of starbucks or old navy or wherever else at apple um getting angry in the apple store but black women need to learn how to conduct ourselves and be better role models and are angry then to add insult to injury Australia's Herald Sun, along with their trash heap political cartoonist, Mark Knight, um, who the last time I checked, he deactivated and or um, locked his social media accounts to avoid accountability. I guess he didn't want any more smoke. The heat was just too much for him. Um, he brought the heat, but he couldn't take the heat um, because he produced a racist cartoon depicting Serena Williams in a very unflattering light he drew her in a way that um you know he and the um Herald Sun doubled down on the caricature and even reprinted it on the paper's front page um but the drawing it harkened back to those anti-black um you know those Jim era um Jim Crow era caricatures that were drawn of black people and then on top of that, he erased Naomi Osaka's blackness altogether. He drew her, he depicted her as a white woman in the, in the cartoon. Um, <laughs> and, and make no mistake about it, this isn't the first time media platforms have depicted Serena in such a racist and unfavorable light. Um, and then once again, in Australia, uh, these folks um, were portraying her and her sister in blackface um it's it's just a mess but then they'll turn around and say it's not racist and then people I just really feel like people can't stand Serena because she is a black woman a very visibly black woman who happens to be one of the world's greatest athletes and she's been dominating and she helped change the face of the sport she helped change the face of a sport that's not basketball or football. And that's typically for white people with means to play. And I just really feel like there's no country for black women who dare to step out of our place, our so-called place or whatever lane people try to force us in. And um, I feel like there's no country for black women who dare to be smart, who dare to be opinionated, and who are a force, who are forces to be reckoned with. And um, there's no country for or solidarity for black women who advocate for ourselves when our integrity and our reputations are at stake. And it's all jokes and shits and giggles until black women clap back. And then the white male tears start overflowing or the white women's tears start overflowing. Or uh, yes, even the black male tears start overflowing. Because black women are supposed to take abuse and hate with a smile. And, and you know, and folks are ready to literally just make black women, like literally make us pay a price. They want to start forming unions and having emergency meetings and shit just to further undermine black women's credibility in our humanity, in our careers. And you know, I'm tired. We're all just so tired. <sighs> On that note, thank you for listening to the Coffee Rhetoric Podcast. If you like what you've heard in this episode, be sure to read some of my work over at www.coffeerhetoric.com. If you'd like to support the Coffee Rhetoric blog and or the podcast, um, please consider becoming a patron on patreon.com backslash coffee rhetoric. And you know, I'll shout you out on forthcoming podcasts for being a supporter. You can now access Coffee Rhetoric Podcasts on Brace Yourselves, Anchor, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, and Breaker, among other places. So go on ahead and share this episode. Tell a friend. Tell your plug so they can stay out of trouble. Tell your shoe-throwing, gown-ripping arch nemesis. Share share, share, and help me conquer the world. Until next time.